Hey guys, welcome to the He Said, She Said podcast with Josh and Danielle, where we talk about our marriage, family, and the everyday stuff that we all face. We don't always agree on everything, and we certainly don't have it all figured out, but we know that God does. We're so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome, welcome to the podcast. What in the world are you doing? I don't know. You said, what are we going to talk about? How are we going to start the podcast? And I thought, I'm going to surprise him. I'm going to say, welcome to the He Said, She Said podcast. You I just, say it better than you, you anyway. You jumped in and like just interrupted me. Yeah, I did. You kind yes, of scared I me did. a little bit. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I'm just thinking through like my, what I'm getting ready to say. And all of a sudden <laughs> this voice comes screaming into the, the hey listen conversation I, just, I like to keep it spicy <laughs> i guess I want to give you a heart attack <laughs> uh, i don't know about a heart attack but you i was taken aback taken aback i said taken aback nice that's a thing really people say that take, smart people take take taken <laughs> they don't say taken taken aback <laughs> i'm sorry you were taken aback but I've decided that I say, he said, she said, podcast, better than you, because you, oh, you always say it like this. Welcome to the She Shed, She Shed podcast. <laughs> I said in like one of our first say episodes, it three it's times. hard to say, the he said, she said podcast. Again. He said, she said. <laughs> Again. He said, she said. <laughs> You're See, getting better. I am getting better. All I've right. had lots of practice. Sorry, I surprised you. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, what are we going with? I don't know. So yesterday we had a fun, fun activity. Oh yeah, that was fun. We went up to Sight and Sound in Lancaster yeah. with a group from our church. From a prime with a prime timers group. Yeah. And you you drove the bus. That was fun. The shuttle bus. It actually wasn't that bad. It it really wasn't. Why are you saying it? What? Because why would I don't you assume like, that I would say that it was bad. Because I don't enjoy driving. Especially as I've gotten older, oh, I, I don't like driving much, especially if I have to drive up 95 hmm. through D.C. and Baltimore and, you know, all that. It's terrible. Yeah. But it really wasn't that bad of a trip as far as the drive was concerned. You enjoyed the drive? Yeah. That that sounded hesitant. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm thoroughly convinced Like once that. we got in, especially we came in the back way. Uh, into yeah, that was and nice, and it was just really, really beautiful. It was beautiful, like rolling fields of things, Amish, Amish country, like Amish clothes blowing on the lines, and horse and buggies, and and then you go an hour down the road, and you're back in people honking at you and running you off the road. Yeah, that happens. So, yeah. anyways. But uh, we saw Esther. So we've been to Sight and Sound, you and I have, what, probably five or six times now? I haven't been that many times. And I've been maybe three times. I think I've been uh, maybe six times now. But five of those times, or four of those times now, I saw Noah. Noah. And That's a good one, one. It is a good one. And one of those times I saw the Christmas play. Also a good one. Which is a good one. I mean, I don't know that there are any bad ones there. I don't either. And then now we saw Esther. This was my favorite one. It was it it was a it was great like they all are. I think here's my here's my opinion on why this was your favorite. It was very girly. So like the yeah. the lights were pink and purple throughout the entire show and it was sparkly. It was it was a great performance. It, um Yeah, so it's like akin to maybe don't uh, even go. I know where you're going with this. What? Go ahead. Aladdin. No. Oh, okay. I was, you well, kept saying throughout the whole performance that, oh, he reminds me of Jafar from Aladdin. And, oh, this parade reminds me of Aladdin. Stop. The way, the way that they did it, a lot of the things did remind me of Disney movies. Of course. Like the lanterns from that from was tangled. Yeah. Now I will say, I will say, I even told Pastor yesterday. I I feel like they got some of their inspiration from that show, or for that show from Aladdin, because it was. I mean, or it is tangled. It or, is Persia, so yes. there is that the whole Middle Eastern thing, you know. But, but like the bad guy, his clothes were red. Yeah. The lanterns, I feel the like, bad were from guy. the bad guy. His name is Haman. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. He's a bad guy. Um, 
and the lanterns reminded me of Tangled. There was like a lot of glittery. The sets are just amazing there. But you know what? I, I, I was talking to somebody today. I, I feel like I basically cried through the whole thing. Maybe not the whole thing, but like at different points all throughout it. Like it was just really touching. I don't know. It just really got me. It was a good one. And at it the was end, good. It I was, was like good. having my own personal praise service. I will say the last, like the closing song yeah. is pretty amazing. And that is, it's just like. I could tell you it were was close. A, it was a close to what? Close to tears. Oh my goodness. You Here were, we go again. You were. We talked about this last week. Were, I was not close to tears. Clear in your throat. I even saw you looking at me. I, I sniffled <laughs> once and I saw you look at me to see if I was crying. I was not crying. And you know what happens whenever you do that? I put my hand on your arm and I say, hey, it's okay, babe. And then usually it gets worse. Usually he cries more. Because I start laughing. That's what you say every time. I, I do. I try not to though because it was a very, it was so powerful that last song that last scene was she was just like praising god for putting her where she needed to be when she needed to be there and orchestrating the whole thing and for protecting the jewish people and she was just praising god and i was just like yeah you know sometimes we feel like things happen in our lives that that are tragic and painful and we feel like sometimes god is doing something to us when He's always doing it for us. Yeah, and it for was a it was definitely a, a a touching and worshipful moment. Yeah, you have to go see it. I did not cry though. Whatever. <laughs> it's okay. It's I know okay it's fine. to be a man. Listen, that cries. listen. It is fine, and I do cry at a lot of things. I admitted last week. I I got a little emotional at the wedding. Yes. Yeah, see. So it's okay. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's I'm just a great saying thing. that it didn't bring me to tears. Well, it brought me to tears. But there are things that bring me to tears. We talked about, you know, the birth of our children. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be like that big of a thing. No, it doesn't. I and mean, it's okay if a man watches a movie, is touched, and cries. That's an okay thing. Say it. It is an okay thing. It's an okay thing if you do it, too. It's an okay thing if I do it, too. Okay. I Okay. I just think it's important that we say that. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways... We had a rough weekend. Ugh, uh, apart from that, it was not. It was not a lot of fun. No, we had some sickness. Sickness strike our home, and it was every like three of us were like not feeling well, and it was all three totally different things in totally different circumstances, taking totally different medicines. Yeah, <laughs> at least it was like I mean, so Saturday night I was up most of the night with our youngest. Yeah, daddy's the, because of, I think because of the deal that we struck, you know, when if the baby cries, I have to, you know, sit up and nurse him for half an hour, who, who knows how many times a night, you could at least go get him for me. And you agreed to that before our first child was born. I didn't know what I was agreeing and to at the time. you didn't know what you were agreeing to. So now because... the kids still wake up in the middle of the night and they don't want me. Never do they say, mom, mom. They always say, daddy. Well, really, I mean, the only one that does now is Kobe. But yeah, it, yeah he when he wakes up, he always wants me. So at 2.30 on Sunday morning, I hear crying coming from his room. And uh, so I went and got him and he had an ear infection. Yep. And a high fever. Super high and fever. Couldn't keep anything down. Yeah, so up. so our weekend was filled with ER visits. And I always feel ridiculous taking them to the ER know. for a ear infection. Listen, we will tell you why we did that. That was not the plan. The plan was, A, take him to the urgent care, get him some antibiotics. But he couldn't keep anything down. So he was going to have to have an antibiotic shot. And they don't have those at the urgent care. So I called his pediatrician and I said, hey, can we just wait till tomorrow? Do you think he'll be fine? And she said, no, he needs to start today, his antibiotic. The only option you have is to take him to the ER. And I feel like I'm wasting their time because, you know, we're not, it's not real trauma. I feel like it's not a real emergency, but he did have a really high fever. And we did need to get him on that antibiotic. And I guess that's why they're there. Yeah. So and they we gave him feel a shot bad. and he's... Did they make you feel bad? No, not Good. this time. Have they before? Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, but um, we try not. To, we don't. We don't make that a habit. I mean, we, we make don't it sound like we're, we're ER at the ER all the time, unless we but. have zero options. Because who wants to spend hours sitting in the waiting yeah, room? Yeah, because that's what it always is nowadays. Hours. Uh. Um, but yeah, so so it was a, a challenging weekend, but we made it through, and yep. praise the Lord. I think everybody is on the mend. It seems like for now. So yep, and um, that kid's getting tubes in his ears. Yeah, next week. So right. Yep. Okay. Well, I haven't called, but probably next week. Yeah. Probably next Thursday. We'll see. Anywho. So that, that actually leads well into our discussion for today. So you we're on this. You pretty much say that every week. I know. Because <laughs> we, like, we don't, we haven't planned it the last few weeks, but it's worked out kind of well. That it leads right into what yeah. we're talking about. Anyways, um, we are in this discussion about um, hope for when you want to call it quits. I don't right is the name of the it's the called I don't series that we're working through. Yep. And one of the challenges that comes along with marriage is when we enter kids into the picture. Enter children. Yes. Stage left. And so yes, and <laughs> and so when that happens, it introduces this whole new dynamic into your marriage, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you go from just being the two of you, living your best lives as just the two of you, and able to go anywhere you want to, able to do anything you want to, and not having to take into consideration a diaper bag and all of the accoutrements that come with a baby, and even take into consideration nap nice time. word accoutrements. Like it? That's pretty good. I'm, I'm reading a little bit more, so maybe my vocabulary is going to come Are you up. actually reading? Or I read are last you night listening? like five pages. Okay. We want to know if Audible listening to books on Audible actually counts as reading a book. Danielle says it doesn't. It I doesn't. say it does. It doesn't count as reading because you're not actually reading. You're just listening. But you're still receiving the information. You're that the receiving book information, but you're hearing. Reading requires that your eyes are looking at words. That is like the definition. I, I say like. it counts. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I actually read like five pages. But um, yeah, I, I honestly, it's hard to explain to new parents what it's going to be like. When your baby is born. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessary to explain to new parents no, what it's going to be like. they have I mean, to experience yeah. it. So there's this whole di- different dynamic. that. So, like, I remember when, when we brought Brayden home for the first time. Do you recall the, yeah. the way that this went down? I do. If I remember correctly, first of all, we watched a few videos from those early, early days of Brayden's life the other day. And yes. number one, I looked like I was 12 years old. I, um. I, that's exactly what I said. I'm like, why do you look like you're 12? Like, how did they let us take a child home? That's why I had to grow a beard uh, <laughs> because it covered up my my baby face. But anyways, number one, I look like I was 12. Number two, um, the, the second takeaway I had from it is I had no stinking idea how to strap a baby into a car seat. It nope. took a good minute and a half just for me to not to strap the car seat into the car. Okay, listen, I know that that's a battle that every parent faces strapping that stinking car seat into the car, mm-hmm. but just to strap Braden into his car seat. Like, like he did not know where the clips went, <laughs> where the straps went, what in the world to do. Yeah. I had to walk that man through it the very first time. We have that on video. He's like, "I don't I don't even know what I'm doing." <laughs> So so then when we got home with Brayden, do you remember what I said? Oh, like, I, kn- I know exactly what you what said. What did I say? When we put him on the couch? Yeah, I, I walked in. I'm carrying him in his little carry case thing. Um, it's called a baby carrier. The baby it's carrier. It's not a carry case. We don't put our children in a case, okay? <laughs> and I put him on the couch and I said. Now what? Now what? Like, what do we do now? Yeah, because, you know, there's all of this leading up for 10 months. Oh, we're having a baby and let's get prepared and take the pictures and, you know, take the classes and talk to people and get all the things and set up the nursery, which we never do, by the way. Um, and just like make sure we have the stroller and the car seat and blah, 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 blah. And then you go and you have the baby and it's like a great big ordeal. And then everybody comes to, to meet you and then you take the baby home and it's like all over. Yeah, and and then real life starts. It's yeah. like so you now, put the baby what, on the now what do we do like, with this baby? Well, now what happens? What do we do? We and then I looked at you and I was like, uh, 
we live life and we keep it alive. Like, <laughs> so from that moment on, though, like your life changes and now enters into your marriage a whole different dynamic. And also, with that new dynamic in marriage comes new uh, conflict and new disagreements, perhaps. New challenges. New challenges. Um, and so, really, what we want to focus on the, the com- focus the conversation on today is. How do we get through those challenges? Because they can present some very real, like, difficulties in in marriage that have consequences for our relationship. Mm. And, you know, going back to our backgrounds and our perspectives and how that kind of shapes who we are, I think how we discipline our children is very um, much the same way. How, how we rear our children is shaped by a lot of times how we were reared. Some some of us tend to fall into, this is how my parents did it. This is how I do it. I don't know any other way. Some of us say, my parents did it this way, and that didn't work, and I don't agree with it, and I will not be like them. But honestly, it's hard to break the pattern. It's hard to break the cycle. Even if you determine, I'm not going to do it that way, a lot of times you fall and slip slip into doing it just the same way as how you were raised because that's all you know. Well, not only that, but you you mentioned you know the, the different ways that people are raised. So, of course, when we enter marriage, we're leaving one relationship, the relationship with our parents, not in the sense that that relationship no longer exists, but in the sense that, that, that in, the intimacy that was in that relationship where we're, we're living in the same home and they're telling us kind of how to live our lives, so to speak, you know, they're giving us instruction uh, and we are obeying them. So the, the relationship doesn't exist in that same uh, format. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, in that same sense anymore. Now we're cleaving unto our wife. And so we're bringing both of our dynamic from the way that we were each individually raised into the relationship of our marriage. And so the way that I was disciplined is different than the way that you were disciplined. And in your marriages, as those of you that are, that are listening, the way that you were disciplined by your parents or and the way that your 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 spouse was disciplined by theirs was very different. And so we bring all of that baggage and all of that expectation even into our marriage with us. And so can we foundation the conversation with these three thoughts? Number one, that raising a family is a difficult task. So it's tough to raise a family, right? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a because you can't prepare and you can't explain to someone what it's going to be like. It it it's walking a whole new road, a whole new path that you can read about but you don't know what it's going to be like until you experience. So it's hard to adequately prepare for the the challenges that you're going to face. I think the, the best thing that you can do to prepare going in is to have a solid marriage and to foundation that upon um, biblical principle. I, I think that is absolutely the key. Um, if our marriage, before we begin to have our children, if our marriage isn't foundationed upon biblical principles and we haven't already made some of the commitments that we've talked about in previous episodes to God and to our spouse, then we're going to have we're going to have problems when we introduce another life into the family dynamic. Because now you're introducing all of these new challenges. So foundation of the conversation upon these three things. One, raising a family is a difficult task. I think we can all agree there. Number two, raising a family requires discipline. It requires me to discipline my children. It requires discipline on my part to make sure that I I am disciplining myself, not in the sen- the same sense of the word discipline that we would talk about in relation to children, but in the sense that that I, I I'm doing what I need to do. I'm following the the biblical guidance that I've been given. I'm following God's word. I'm I I am disciplined myself. Did you want to add anything to that? I think that without discipline, um, the family dynamic becomes chaos. So, you know, you, you've got you've got to maintain that. You've you've got to maintain not just uh, the discipline of your children, but man, being a parent requires great self discipline. Um, 
so I think that that's a good place to start. Yeah, and our our kids will learn that self discipline from us. You know, as we discipline our children, then they 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 begin to even learn that discipline on their own. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter twenty two and verse fifteen that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So the Bible clearly teaches that discipline is an important aspect of our family life. So raising family is difficult. Raising a family requires discipline. And then the third thing I would say is this, as we jump into this conversation, the purpose of discipline is restoration. So just as when we when we have constructive conflict, we talked about that a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. just as we have constructive conflict in our marriage and the purpose of that is always restoration. The purpose of discipline is restoration as well. It's never to to to, you know, harm. It's never to uh, just respond out of anger, but it's always restorative. And hopefully in the future, it'll it'll help our kids not to do those things again. Right. I mean, just as as the scripture that you just read says, the rod of correction drives the foolishness from our children's heart. Explain, explain to me how that and the idea that it's uh, restorative, the idea that, that discipline is restorative, explain to me how those two things reconcile with each other. You know, if we can start at that, that foundation of those three, th- those three things, raising family is difficult, raising family requires discipline, and the purpose of discipline is restorative. The purpose of discipline is to restore our child's heart to God. But here's the question. I think the question of the hour is this. What happens when we don't agree on the method of discipline? Mm. So we understand the purpose of discipline, but what happens when you and I don't agree on how we ought to go about disciplining? And this is a a, a very um, uh, difficult topic for, for many married couples because of the way that we're raised differently. Right. And I think also because of our personalities, how we view uh, discipline is different. How we how we feel like it should be accomplished might be different. I mean, we're a team, obviously. We have the same goal. Um, and th- this this is what we're talking about. If you're if you're both on the same page, we'll address if you're not on the same page. But if you're both on the same page, that you know we want to discipline our children. We want our children to be. Um, followers of Jesus Christ, and we want our children to learn self-control, temperance, which is a fruit of the Spirit, and helping them do that is, is by using this tool of discipline. Sometimes, even if we have the same goal, how we feel like that goal should be accomplished looks different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you're right. Part of that is the way we were raised. Part of that is our personality, and you know, the just the the way that we deal with people. Um, like, I think for us personally, our discipline styles are very, very different. Yeah. And I think it has to do with th- exactly that, um, how we were raised. My dad was in the military. He was a like a my way or the highway, black or white, like this is how we do things kind of guy. And um, th- there wasn't a lot of room for grace. Um, and for that reason, it's hard for me to understand how Honestly, it's one of my downfalls, like a big, huge downfall of mine, because it's hard for me to reconcile, hey, how do we let them know this is right or this is wrong and be consistent about our discipline when um, I know that, you know, sometimes God is merciful. At what time should I be merciful? And how do I reconcile those two thoughts? How do yeah. I balance those two ideas? And you, on the other hand, I, I am a I'm a mercy person. Right. Like that's I believe that's one of my spiritual gifts. But I also believe that it's one of my weaknesses because I am very much a mercy person. And so for, for me to say, oh, let's give them another chance, like that's that's like, you know, that's how I operate. Right. And that's always been how I operate. So, but, you know, but even in there's a there's a time and I know that you recognize this where. You can't give so many chances. Right. So that's why I say that that I I feel like that's also a weakness of mine because yeah. even in I mean that's really been the way that I've I've dealt with people throughout my life. You know, like even giving in, people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's even, just who you even are. in even in college, you know, as I had some leadership responsibilities there, I was very much a mercy person there. Yeah, he, and, I have to tell you this real quick because you went there. <laughs> 
he was he was such a nice guy. He wasn't, you know, sometimes floor leaders and things are, or uh, he was an RA too, but they're look, they're out, they're like out there looking to get people in trouble. And Josh was not that guy. And he loved his guys and his guys knew it. And his, and he would write his guys on his floor up. He didn't take on the whole campus, but his guys on his floor, he would write them up if they deserved it. But they also knew that he loved them. And he was kind of a, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. And they love that. <laughs> They love that of about him. Of course they did because they, so they never they, got in trouble. They didn't get in trouble as often. And so I I, I made him a shirt for Fine Arts one day. Fine Arts is like when, when we have a special event, uh, a play or something, and we would get all dressed up and we would go. We would give each other gifts, like a date. And um, I gave him a shirt. What did the shirt say, babe? It said, the floor leader who cares. The floor leader that cares. And I was, I was. The it has floor little, his cares. name on the front, on the back. It said, the floor leader that cares. He <laughs> wore that shirt. That. Oh, he wore that shirt and the guys loved it. And because it was true, because that's who you are. But but one of the, the in, in our marriage dynamic, one of the difficulties that that has, that has brought into our family is that because I am such a, such a mercy person and you are kind of more that black and white, you know, um, it, you, we, we've had to struggle and, and fight to, um, sometimes each other <laughs> <laughs> to, to keep that, that dynamic where, you know, we are both in this together and right. need that so that our kids don't see you as the authoritarian and me as the friend. And right. that's, and, and, and honestly, that is is usually how it goes in our family and we struggle against that but that's the natural tendency because of how we are we have a good cop bad cop dynamic and that's not healthy that's not really healthy and we're working on that like we recognize that we know that um so that's one of the things that we're struggling against but i i will say even though we i think recognizing that struggle is is very important and so probably for most marriages that's how things are right. where there is you, your your personalities are very different it's part of the reason that you were attracted to one another in the first place and that you know opposites attract that's often true um but recognizing it and working on it is important um so anyways where where were you going with that did you want to say something else i thought you were no no not done and i interrupted you again yeah. No, I'm Sorry. done. You're good. You're good. So I, I, I think that, that, that because that's where a lot of us live, this is what we need to address. You know, when you don't see things eye to eye and man, it's just such a struggle and so tough and you and, and you there's no middle ground. You don't you don't agree on how to discipline your children. What what do you do in that situation? I mean, do you just say up? Oh, that's it. We're done. We can't. We can't work through this. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, just want to call it quits because obviously right. we're never going to agree on this. The the ending option would be let's just let's call it quits. Let's you know I you never support me. I never support you. We can't agree on how to raise our kids. So I'm just going to go my separate way. You go your separate way. And I think we all know and all understand. You know who listen to this podcast now that that's not the option to pursue right that's not an option take that out of even plan a plan b plan c it's not there so can we give you some um maybe some some practical steps to take like you're in a marriage right now where you and your husband or you and your wife you struggle to to find a a balance and strike this, you know, th this good harmonious balance in your in your family where uh, you can agree on how discipline should take place. Maybe you can't come to a, f a full and complete agreement. By the way, we don't always agree on how and what should happen when nope. we discipline our kids. Um, no, we don't. But I think we do a decent job at in enacting these principles that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, number one, I would say this. Listen, listen to your spouse's opinion, because although Danielle is very different than I am and she 
is probably the you know the the one in our family that would be more like no they did this and we're gonna do this because they did this black and white and I am more like no 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 listen they you know they didn't understand or yeah, I'm I'm seeing the good in it and um, there's there's a good balance in both of those so listen to your spouse's opinion and don't just dismiss them so James chapter one verse number nineteen. The Bible talks about listening to other people, and it says in James 1, if I can get there, should have had it open already. Um, but it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So what often happens in our marriages, if we're, if we're not careful, is that whatever, we have this stressful situ- situation come up, right? Where our kid is has gotten in trouble or our kids are misbehaving. And one of us then just kind of, you know, all of a sudden says, you know what, you're grounded or you're getting a spanking or you're, you know, whatever it might be. And then the other one's like, no, 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 that's not the appropriate action. That's not the time and place to do that. But we should listen to our spouse's uh, opinion on this. Right. Um, and I think we'll talk about this later, but you're right. It's not the time and the place in that moment in front of the children to address the situation because what ends up happening is the kids learn. The kids see these things these things happening, and they learn to manipulate the situation. They, our kids have done it to us. I mean, because we've we've done this, you know, in front of the kids. We shouldn't have, but we've done it in front of the kids. And then they learn to play, you right. know, well, play the situation. Well, mom said and dad said. And, and you know dad agrees with me. You know mom, he's not going to agree with you. And that is not that is not what we want, or the attitude that we want for our children to have to either one of us. We want our children to learn to respect both of us and to learn to obey both of us. But when one person seems like they're siding with the child and the other person disagrees, then it's like, huh, yeah, they, they don't respect the other person as they should. Yeah. It kind of subverts their authoritative, what am I trying to say? Authority. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Authority. Yeah, yeah. That's the word I'm going. For. So I would say listen, listen to their opinion. But I would also say this: listen with the intention of learning. Mm. So, and part of this is understanding your weakness. So, so we've talked about both of our weaknesses, and both of us, uh, our our strength can also be our weakness. And so, like I, I know that for for me personally, I've learned from Danielle in the way that she deals with our children that. They aren't always good. They aren't always perfect. And they don't always sinners. they don't always deserve mercy. There are times where they deserve time out. What? I just need to say this. Our kids are pastors' kids. And it might come as a shock to some of our listeners. But our kids are a hot mess. Yeah, I don't think that comes as a shock to anybody. <laughs> no, but. Not anybody that knows them. They're little sinners. You can't expect your pastor's kids to be perfect. And you can't look at your pastor's family and think they've got it all together because people, we're all in the same boat. You know, our kids uh, have foolishness bound in their hearts because they're sinners, just like your kids do. And so we do struggle with these things. That Yeah, that, that's a great aside. And I would say, you know, give your, give your pastor's kids, whatever church you attend all across the country or the world, give your pastor's kids the, the latitude and the grace to, to mess up. I mean, they are, they're, they're sinners just like everybody else. Okay. So that's a whole different, You're uh, welcome. whole different subject for a whole <laughs> different day. But um, the point that I was making was listen with the intention of learning. So I've learned from Danielle's strengths that our kids aren't always perfect and that they do need discipline and that they do need sometimes to be grounded and that they do need somebody to speak into their life in moments. And not that I didn't know that and understand that, but my natural default because of my my mercy is just that, to be merciful to them. And they can't always have mercy. Right. And I think I've learned from you that sometimes the consequences that they receive are natural consequences. Mm. They know. They have already learned from their mistake. And I don't need to pile onto them more than they 
they've already gotten. Yeah. And and sometimes a word, like obviously we want to discipline our kids, but sometimes a word is enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes that is discipline. Right. The fact that, hey, I'm disappointed that you did that, or I'm right. disappointed that you said that. And we can tell, you, you can tell by your kid's spirit um, you know, if they are truly repentant of what they've done or if they don't care that and, and they des- they deserve and need more discipline. So the, the question is, what do you do when you don't agree? What do you do? You call it quits. Do you say this is too much that I can't handle this anymore? The answer to that is no. A better option would be, number one, listen to your spouse and listen to learn. But the second thing that I would say is this value or respect your spouse as well. So Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number two says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. And so, you know, a foolish person isn't going to seek to understand anybody else. They're always going to try to get their point across, and they're always going to try to say that they know better, and they're always going to try to say that they have all the answers. But the Bible says that that's what a foolish person does. He has no delight in understanding. He has no delight in listening to his spouse or she has no delight in listening to her spouse and the value that might come from the way that they want to discipline their children. And so value their opinion. Don't just be dismissive just because you disagree with the way that they think that that the discipline should have been meted out in this particular instance. Yeah, and I think that these two points, a listen and respect, I mean, if you're at an impasse and you just cannot agree and you do not agree and you don't see a way forward and you can't listen to them and you can't respect them, I think that if you're there, it's probably because of pride. Yeah. You know, you you need to take a step back and evaluate yourself. You can't change your spouse, but you can't evaluate how you're approaching the situation how you're viewing your spouse. If you're full of pride, you're not going to listen to your spouse. If you're full of pride because you are right and this is the way, you're not going to respect your your spouse's opinion. You're not going to respect your spouse's perspective. Um, that is where you need to check your own heart. Yeah, I mean, the Bible says only by pride cometh contention, right? And so you're absolutely right. If you're at this place where you feel like this is an impasse, then somebody is prideful and probably both parties are have developed so much pride that they can't come to this place where they can say, okay, you know what? I'm going to value your opinion. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. Right. I mean, the fact is that our genetic makeup and the experiences that we have in our past and all of these different things give us sensibilities that the other person doesn't possess. And so I need you and I need the experiences that you've got and I need the sensibilities that you have as a woman and I need all of these different things that I don't possess because of my past experiences and my genetic makeup and the fact that I'm a man and vice versa. You need that as well. Right. The partnership in this situation is key. Both parties have something to offer. Both parties have something that can help you moving forward to discipline your children, not in one way or the other way, but but by striking a balance. Yeah. And I think the other thing to say with, would be this, that understand for the vast, vast majority of cases that both of you have your child's best interest at heart. So both of you genuinely want the best for your kids. You just both see some different way of getting to that end. Right. And so the end is the same. What are the means to that end is the question. And so understand that that person's opinions are, are valued. That person's opinions are listened to because they want the same thing that you do in the vast majority of cases. Now, listen, right. I know that there might be some of our listeners out there who, you know, are in a very, very difficult situation. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Right. Um, but this we're t- what we're talking about is if both people want to do the right thing. Both people do have their children's interest at, at heart. Yeah. So I would say listen. Uh, listen to, to the opinions. Listen to the, the advice that your spouse has to offer. Value. Value their opinions and advice. And then consider. So consider the opinions you've heard. You've listened. You've valued them. Consider them. Do this to make this a practice that you do together. Now, this is where we need to talk about 
the fact that this never happens in front of the kids. Right. Right. So this this consideration, we do the best we can. Just, we're not perfect at it. I think, in fact, like last week, I I messed up in this area. But yeah, you did. I don't even remember. I'll be honest. I have like the the long what. I'm like Dory. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Keep going. Right. I wish. Um, but <laughs> I don't mo- remember anything. Most often, we we do a decent job, I would say, of if we have a disagreement on the way that our kids are being uh, disciplined in the moment that we, we don't call that out. Um, because as you mentioned earlier, I mean, when you do that, then automatically kids tend to choose sides. Right. And they, and they manipulate the situation to get what they want, Yeah, you know, and, and and you're pitting that child against the spouse. It becomes a, the, honestly, it becomes a like good cop and the kids versus the bad cop. Yeah. Like we're all on one team and you're on that team. Um, I think honestly, just to be truthful, I've even heard you say, mom's not going to like that. When she gets home, mom's going to say this or mom's going to do that. And it's like you guys are like have this club or this understanding. And mom. I mean, we do have a club. It's called the Boys Club. And, you know. That's not fair. You didn't give me a girl. It's not my fault. I don't have a club. Anyways. Um, but it kind of like says, you know, it's it's we, it's us versus mom. Right, right. And, and that's that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. Yeah. So consider consider the opinions you've heard. But then I would say this too. Consider your biblical calling. Because each of us, moms and dads, have a calling to parent. If we if God has blessed us with children, we each have this calling to parent. So men in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the, our, our calling is laid out there. We're to be leaders in the home. Children are to obey and respect us. Titus chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3. I won't take the time to go and read those, but maybe you want to study them on your own time. So men, we've been given this calling to be the, the leaders in the home. Ladies, you've been given the calling to to disciple and to help the children to grow and, and be nurtured. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let me get there again. I'm flipping pages. Do you have something you want to say while I find that? Find that? Yeah. (laughs) That's what you wanted to say. (laughs) Find that? Okay. Find that. So Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The aged women, likewise, that uh, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And so th- women are called to be to, to, to be a mother to, to their, their children and to teach them and to help them to grow in the love of Christ. And so understand that both of us have a biblical calling as men and women. So I think we need to listen. We need to listen to our spouse. We need to value their opinions. We need to understand that they have value as well. I think we need to consider those opinions and then work together to come to a resolution. But I, I think that the fourth thing that we need to do is fight. And you would say, we need to fight. Yeah, I think we need to fight the temptation. Because there's always going to be the temptation to give up. There's always going to be the temptation to call it quits. There's always going to be that temptation to say, we can't agree. We can't come to an agreement. So we're at an impasse. And you know what? I'm just done. Because that's the easy way out, right? That's the easy thing to do. It's hard to fight. It's hard to listen. It's hard to consider. It's hard to try to work through these challenges. It's easy to say, this is the way. If you're not going to do it my way, then I'm done. So fighting is hard. Well, I think even outside of, of the fact that it's hard, which is very true, is that we often feel defeated by our failures. And so we look at, you know, e- even ourselves and we say, yeah, well, I'm weak in this area or I'm weak in that area or she doesn't support me or he doesn't support me. And we feel like a failure and we feel defeated and pushed down. And, and, and it makes it easy for us to say, you know what, it'd be a whole lot easier for me just to give up on this. Right. And I think that... Um I struggle with not necessarily giving up on our marriage, but sometimes I find myself trying, taking a step back. Does that make sense? Taking a step back from, okay, I, I have been the main, I honestly, in our family, I'm the main disciplinarian because of the dynamic. And because, you know, honestly, I've talked to a lot of moms about this, but you know, we're, we are in the trenches 
We are with the kids every day. We are. Our husbands, uh, primarily in most homes, our husbands are off at work and we are interacting more with the kids than than our husbands are. And that tends to um, make the mom the disciplinarian in the household. But I think think that we look at that the wrong way sometimes because I, I feel like although you may have more interaction with them and although um you, you know there are many times that your husband in, in this case i am not there to discipline the kids um that what we miss often in that is the husband's support so when dad gets home to say hey you know we had this issue with said child um, you know, can you say something to them about it? Can you talk to them about it? And so rather than just taking care of it and then dismissing it and then not, not ever, you know, telling our, our spouse about whatever it was that took place so that they can offer a word of support. Um, we often feel like we're in this battle alone and he doesn't ever do this or she doesn't ever do this rather than, than bringing them into the conversation right. and Commun- letting them communicating. have communication communication is key. Right. And I think that even though I tend to be the main disciplinarian in the house, sometimes I personally struggle with the, am I too harsh? I'm being too harsh. I'm expecting too much of my kids. And it may, and it makes me not necessarily give up on discipline, not necessarily give up on our marriage and it but it does make me step back you know it makes me step back and let you take the reins a little a little bit more because I just don't know how best to navigate the situation without being too harsh and I don't want to be too harsh and I don't do this because I don't like I don't step back because I don't love my kids I step back because I do love my kids but I, I think that's healthy and good sometimes, again, for us to recognize weakness. So I think the theme that we see as we're talking about this this topic is recognizing our own weakness and being willing to say, hey, I'm, I'm too harsh or, hey, I'm too merciful. You know, can you as my spouse help me in this area? And that's where the humility comes in. That's right. where that, that not being proud comes in. Yeah. So I think that, you know, fighting is is great. But also knowing, like not giving up on your family, not give, not calling it quits, not giving up on your marriage, but also knowing when to take a step back is not necessarily giving up the fight. It's not necessarily accepting defeat. It's recognizing, hey, I need to 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 back off a little bit and to to achieve the balance that we're looking for. Yeah, and, and I think understanding that we are constant learners and that right. we can learn from our spouses, that we can learn from their experiences and and you know the their ideas on discipline. Right. And 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 I think um to a lot of things in our in our lives and in our marriage require a balance and sometimes that that balance is delicate and you need to be perspective perspective perceptive you need to be open to the other person you need to be willing to assess the situation or or at least striving to assess the situation so that things can constantly be moving forward and so that you can strike that balance but what does a wife do when her husband um, isn't concerned at all with taking the reins and discipline isn't concerned um, at all with disciplining and he just lets his wife do it all. He, he just, you know, Hey honey, the kids are not, the kids are acting up, take care of it. You know what I mean? Like he's not stepping in. Um, she finds herself being a primary disciplinarian. How should she, what should she do? Should she approach him about this? Should she stand back and give him the room that forces him to step forward. I don't know if he necessarily will step forward, but sometimes if we ladies are like so taking control and so taking over that we give our husband uh, an excuse or allowance to kind of just be lazy because we're already doing it. I mean, what 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 does a wife do if she finds herself as the main disciplinarian? How should she approach yeah, it? Yeah, I think this comes back to what we were discussing a few minutes ago on communication. 
And, you know, again, I think we have to go back to some marriage principles that we've talked about over the past several weeks um, in regards to as men, us, us being approachable, us being, you know, um, someone that, that can receive um, uh, constructive criticism, mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so guys, I would speak to the guys real quick and say, number one, we are called to be the leaders in our home. So part of being a leader in our home is disciplining. Now, certainly, I think that that we are complementarian and that, you know, husbands and wives roles complement. Why are you laughing at that? I, I was trying to decide if that was a real word. That is a real word. A hundred percent. I need to read more, y'all. Um, that husbands <laughs> and wives roles complement one another. And so that both of us have some responsibility um, when necessary to in, in disciplining our children. But guys, I, I think what we need to understand and accept is that that role um, is is heavily on us and should be heavily on us. Doesn't mean that the wife doesn't do it. It doesn't mean that our, our wives can't discipline. But I think we need to understand and accept that as guys. So your question was, what does she do when her husband isn't concerned with discipline? When he kind of just kind of lets the lets the kids run wild, yeah, and right? He passes it off on her. Says, hey, you know, honey. So I think that she then ha she has the responsibility. In raising, you know, in God gifting her those kids, I think she has a responsibility to to raise them and to discipline them appropriately so that they they get some home training and that they know how to act when they're in public and that they know right and wrong. Um, it doesn't absolve the husband of his responsibilities, but I do think that she has a responsibility to go to her husband and say, hey, listen, you know, in, in a loving, kind and a way that's going to be able to be received appropriately to confront him and say, can you help me in, in discipline? Josh, I want to talk to you about something. No, we're not talking about anything. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I think if, if he's approached in the right way and if he has some of the principles that we've already talked about in place in his own life, that that can be received. Now, it's a different conversation if you know, the he marriage doesn't. is so fractured and he doesn't. Right. And that's, um, that's, you know, a, another question. Like what, what if your husband doesn't care about spiritual things? Yeah. What if his wife is bearing the brunt of the spiritual train, not just the discipline, right. but your husband just doesn't care and he's selfish and he doesn't have the best interests of the child at heart and he's lazy and he just doesn't care. I mean, should she assume the responsibility and hope her husband jumps on board um, for the spiritual training. Should she stand back? I mean, I, I think that's what, you know, we talked about a little bit before. Should she, should she just drop the whole thing? Just well, not do any spiritual training at all? Should she obey and pray? Should she stand and fight? Should all right. All right. All right. All right. Subtle? All right. We get it. We get it. Um, I mean, there's so many. I would answer responses. this, but I would answer this question as with, with a, a, a broader brush. Okay. And that would be First Peter chapter three, because I think First Peter chapter three gives us the principles for a wife whose husband is unconcerned with spiritual things. So here's what it says: Likewise, you wives be in subjections to your own, be in subjection to your own husband, uh, that if any obey not the word, they also may be without the word, won by conversation of the wives. And so what does that verse mean? If we can take all of these things that, that, that we're talking about right now, and so discipline and raising our kids and giving them a spiritual foundation and understanding and recognizing that they have, you know, that, that, that they need that influence of their father in their lives, but he's not taking the responsibility. I think the principles that are laid out for us in First Peter chapter 3 are the wife is to be um, she is to be in subjection to her husband, which we've already talked about and the expectations of the wife. So we're not going to go there again, but that in doing that, that her husband who is not obeying God's word and he's not taking the, the proper responsibility of leading his home as he's been commanded in scripture. We talked about that in first Timothy chapter three and Titus. And so if he's not taking those responsibilities on as he's been commanded that by her conversation, she might win him. 
And so I think at the end of the day, the answer to all of those questions is she has to remain faithful to the Lord. How is she going to remain faithful to the Lord, specifically in the context of what we're talking about today? She's going to discipline her kids. She's going to love them. She's going to disciple them. She's going to, to, to help them to grow spiritually. She's going to do everything that she can to, to lead them in a godly manner. Understanding that, that's, that unfortunately her spouse is not taking his proper role, but now she's, she's raising that banner. She's carrying that flag uh, in his place. Right. What if he forbids it? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough, I, I don't know that I have a good answer for that. Yeah, what if um, he says, you can't take the kids to church, don't bring the Bible in here. I mean, it, it's hard to know, should she be subtle? Like, should she, should she still try? What does she do? I think, again, I would, I would point, you know, if, if somebody, if, if I had a, a, um, someone's wife sitting in my office and was asking me this question, I think I would go back again to 1 Peter 3. You live your life the way that God has challenged you to live your to to live your life. And without the word, by your conversation, you shall win them, is what the Bible says. And so I would say, stay faithful and keep pressing on. And we might have some of you ladies listening that this is your your situation. You're in a situation where you love the Lord and you want the best for your kids and you want them to grow up in a church and you want them and your husband won't have anything to do with it. In in so far as is possible, continue to take them to church and continue to be their spiritual leader and continue to guide them in in biblical principles and in teaching them scripture. But you as an individual have a responsibility to keep that lifestyle where you are with your lifestyle, you are evangelizing your spouse. You are teaching your kids. You are helping them learn more about who God is because they see Jesus Christ living in and through you. I could see someone having difficulty reconciling that with the vow that they took to obey their husband. I mean, how does continuing to train up a child in the way he should go override you know i took a vow to obey i my wouldn't husband. say either of those override the other i would say they work in compatibility with one another so even though you take this vow that says you know i will honor and obey it doesn't mean that you're going to honor and obey an earthly figure in your husband more than you're going to honor and obey your heavenly father, who is the supreme authority in your life. And so just as God ordained government and God ordained the home and God ordained the parent authority relationship and God ordained marriage, God never set any of those earthly authorities in power over himself. And so we always are, our default always is to obey God. Our default always is to honor God with our lives and to do what God has commanded us to do over any earthly presence or authority. And the same would be true in marriage. Does that answer the question? No, it does. Thank you. I just, I, uh, when we talk about these things, I try to think about it from someone's perspective um, who, who might be going through something really, really hard, really difficult. And I try to think of of what they might be thinking yeah. and, and how we can address it. So here's some, some, I think, some really practical steps to take. If you're in this kind of a situation where you are at a loss, like your, your husband or your, your spouse, your wife, they just, their thinking is completely different th- than yours and you feel like we're, we're at the end of our rope and we can't do this anymore. I would give you some practical steps. Number one, find some common ground. What are the things that you can agree on, specifically in the area of discipline? Where, where are the things that you can agree on child rearing and begin to emphasize those areas if you can? Um, what are some resources that, that you can learn from? Can you do those together? Can you read a book together? Can you listen to a podcast together? Can you, you know, find some of those resources and find, find common ground? 
Can I just pause you right there yeah. for one second? Can you give us a couple of resources? Sure. One of them would be the He Said, She Said podcast. Love I don't know that if you've podcast. heard of it before. It's a great one. Um, but that, <laughs> that would be one. I would say, honestly, Focus on the Family has some really great resources. You can go on their website. There's all kinds of blog articles and resources that they've offered, video curriculums, uh, books. Um, that It's a great, great family ministry. Um, what are some of your favorite books on this topic? Yeah, so uh, on this topic specifically? Yeah, I think child rearing. James Dobson books, he's got several that are, that are really good on... Um, children. There's a, a book by Paul Tripp called Parenting. That's a great resource on on child rearing and parenting. I would say, from a, a marriage perspective, the books that we've that the, the one book that we gave out, which was the Paul Tripp book. Um, what was it called? Um, it's about expectations. Uh, what did you expect? Yeah, what did you expect? And oh, then man. Um, there's also <laughs> there, there's also a a book that I would recommend by Tim Keller. Um, it's called the what is it called? Why are we recommending <laughs> books we don't the remember? Ex, uh, I don't know. I have to get that get back to you guys. I can't remember the name of that book. It's a Tim Keller book about marriage. Yes. Yeah, it's it awesome. Um, we just don't remember anything. It might be called like marriage. Google or it, man. Um, so those are, those are some of the resources that I would say I'm looking that book up right now. And some of you are screaming at your phone or whatever device you're, you're listening to this on. You're screaming the name of the book to me. Um, it is called the meaning of marriage. Um, but that's a great resource as well. And so those would be some of the things that I would say, you know, grab a couple books, grab a podcast or two, get on, um, you know, focus on the family website and, and find some resources that you can work through together to help you find some common ground. Um, so I'd say fi find common ground. I'd say discern the proper response. So there are proper and improper responses to our disagreements. A proper response might be just drop it. Right. Just channel your inner Elsa and let it go. He actually has that in the notes. I did put that in our notes. <laughs> um, but just just let it, go. let it go and and forget about it and move on and let let you know those small things. I'm not talking about big glaring problems here in our discipline. I'm talking about small things to which we can't agree. Let it go. And you don't always have to be right. I think that was a problem that that you and I had. Um, I thought you were going to say, I think this is a problem that you had. No, <laughs> but I do think it's a problem that that you and I had more you than me. But um, yeah, just kidding. You're probably right. That you and I had early on in our marriage. And that was, you know, we always wanted to be right. And every we, we had to say we had to have the final say. And we had to have the final word. <laughs> and um, sometimes you just need to let it go. Yeah. And I think that the understanding uh the understanding of that comes with maturity, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Did I take you off guard? Did I pause yes. it the wrong time? Yeah, you paused it the wrong time. <laughs> so I, I would, these, these last couple of things I would say, pray about it. I mean, we often underestimate the power of prayer, but prayer is, is powerful. So pray about it. Pray for God's wisdom and pray for your spouse. If you can't agree, pray for your spouse. Not that they would agree with you. Uh, necessarily, but that that God would work in their heart, right? And that God would work in your heart. I know we we kind of sometimes mention prayer just like flippantly and in passing, but really, this is the first thing that we should do. Yeah, uh, we should really take this seriously, and uh, we should probably do a podcast on prayer because I think I know I do. I'm like, oh yeah, I got to pray about it, and then I pray about it. But I, it, it's almost like an afterthought instead yeah, of yeah. the first thing I do. So Yeah, and, and then I would say seek counsel. You know, if you're at an impasse and you're at this place where you, you're saying, you know what, we're done, we can't agree, we're, 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 we can't raise our kids together anymore, seek counsel. Find somebody that can walk you through it, whether it's your pastor, whether it's a, a trusted friend, whether it's a professional counselor. The Bible says, where there is no vision, or, or excuse me, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Wrong verse. <laughs> yes. In the multitude <laughs> of counselors, there is safety. And so whether this is formal counsel or informal counsel, find somebody to give you some counsel. I think also, though, where there is no vision that yeah. people perish is a good verse for this because you have to have an idea of, you know, what you, a, a goal and an idea of where you want your kids to go and what you want your family to look like and how you want your children to 
um, what kind of an adult you want your children to be. And you have to set those goals. You have to have a vision. You have to both agree on what you're working towards. So that is also an appropriate verse. Yeah, and, and so I would close it out by saying this. Be united. Like whatever whatever the outcome is, be united. I, I think of, um, you, you know, when you're operating a business or even in a church, you go into a, a meeting and you might have six, seven, 10, 15 different opinions in that meeting from different people. And you might, you know, sit in that meeting and, and argue about it and, and discuss it and have all these different opinions. But when you come out, what do you want? You want to present a united front. You want people to know that, that the leadership is united. And that's the same thing in our marriages. We want people to know that as husband and wife, we want our children to know that we are united, that we're working together and so a theme of, of this podcast has kind of become, has kind of become use we speak, use we speak. So it's not about I, it's not about mom, it's not about dad, it's about we as a family. We're pulling the rope in the same direction. We're trying to get to the same place. Satan wants to destroy our marriages. Satan wants to destroy our families, and he's going to do everything he can. So use this we speak, understand that we're a team, and that we don't have to fight against one another. Right, and I think that... If we're not pulling the rope in the same direction and we're fighting each other, then we're letting Satan get a, a foothold into our families, into our marriages. We need to be united and we need to learn to find a common ground. Yeah. And so remember who the real enemy is. It's Satan. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's Satan. It's he wants to destroy our families. So let's find that common ground. Let's be united. And let's have stronger families because of it. Did you talk about the giveaway? I did not. I said I was going to do it at the beginning, and then I forgot. Because I surprised you. Yes. <laughs> we, uh, our giveaway is still going on. Do you want to tell them about it? Um, I'll let you take that okay. because I don't even know the stipulations. I knew that you were going to say that. Because so I can't even do the giveaway. We have a $25 uh, dining gift card available in our giving give, giving away. In we're our giving give, away. In our giveaway this month. Um, You want to get it because that's awesome. Uh, you can go out to eat. Take your wife out on a date. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, we're giving you a date. Yeah, kind it's of. like a free date night. So here's all that we ask. We ask that you share your favorite episode on Facebook, and then we ask that you subscribe, review, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you choose to listen to it. Listen. Most of you, that'll be Apple Podcasts. If you don't know how to do that, which some people have asked me, like, I want to do that. I don't know how. We will put some instructions for you on our Facebook page. So it, it, it'll help you navigate that a little bit easier. But like I said last week, like we don't have that like a huge following on Facebook. And so if you're willing to do it, there's a great chance that you might actually win. Yeah, I the think giveaway. there's only like, I don't know, five, five or six people. people that have done it so far. What is the so percentage? It's an awesome that, chance. That and here's the thing. People. Like here, here's what we want. We want this people like we want this people. We want this podcast to help people. Yeah, that's really honestly. I've, I know we said this before, but that's really honestly our heart. And by doing, you know, by sharing it on Facebook, by rating and reviewing on on whatever platform you use, it just gives us that opportunity to potentially to reach, reach a, a broader audience and help people yeah and that's our heart because we ain't making no money from this certainly not <laughs> so well, that's not our goal it's not our purpose our goal is to help people and if more people hear it more people can be helped we hope we hope all right guys okay. thanks for listening and we look forward to being back with you with another conversation next week have a great week goodbye thanks for joining us this week on he said she said if you've enjoyed today's episode be sure to leave us a review, subscribe, and tell a friend. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing.